Luke went from an 18-year-old farm boy who knew only about moisture evaporators <laughs> to, what, four years later, he is a fully trained Jedi, and really, you could break that down to maybe a couple of weekends at Yoda's Dagobah Ranch. Like, that's it? That's that's really all he's had. Right? Ben taught him a, ben taught him a couple of things, but really, Yo- Ben just... Yoda's Dagobah Ranch. I want a t-shirt that says that. Ben Ben really just taught him how to fight against a stupid remote that was flying around. Like, really? And that's all it took for him. Like, these, some of these kids are born in the Republic. They're raised from birth. And they're not even that good. Like, they're okay, Jedi, but they're not the best. Right. And Luke, I mean, there has to be something for being Anakin's son. Because Luke gets minimal training, and he becomes one of the strongest Jedi ever. Welcome back to the Silver Screen Happy Hour. This is our special edition part two, the 45th anniversary of Star Wars. I'm your host, Chris Wiegand, along with my brother, Jerome, a screenwriter and graduate of Columbia College, Chicago. I absolutely loved doing this two-part series tribute to Star Wars with my brother. It was so much fun. Before we dive into this one, you know I like to say, grab a drink and join us. But if you're driving while you're listening, you can be our designated driver. I want to invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, you can send us a voice memo, comments about the show, suggestions for films you'd like us to review, or just to say hi. We'll see if we can get you a shout-out on the next show. Well, let me get the film reel going, and we'll pick up with Jerome as he launches right in. I think we talked a little bit on the last episode, but there's just so much Star Wars that when we were done recording part one, it actually wasn't part one. That was our episode. That was episode one of season one, the 45th anniversary special of Star Wars. But then my brother Chris and I went over our notes and was like, man, we left off so much shit. So we decided to come back and give you geeks some more. <laughs> we're going to do part two of and- episode one, the 45th anniversary of Star Wars. And after our last conversation, I was so geeked about getting started. Um, I went ahead and uh, watched The Mandalorian. I, I watched, I finished Obi-Wan. What else? Oh, I finished Solo. Um, so, so I'm I'm ready. I actually, I, 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 I just started Boba Fett. So the book of Boba Fett. So I'm, I'm excited. Guess what I did. What'd you In do? In preparation. <laughs> well, first, I started the docu-series light and magic about ILM on Disney plus I'm three episodes in, but that's not the crazy thing I did. You want to know the crazy thing I did to prepare for this? What? I rewatched rise of Skywalker. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yep. I, I yep. can't wait to get an update on that, on your thoughts. I went to the dark side. Yep. <laughs> so before we jump in, let's talk about what we're drinking. How are we pairing these up? Well, I'll let you go last since you've got a better thing because yours has changed from part one. Me, I'm sticking with my blue lightsaber. I have a, excuse me, again, what I would call, what what Johnny Depp would call a mega pint. I have these just double large tall of blue uh, Bud Light, big tall blue can to, uh, in memory of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Yes, and uh, this time I mentioned I should have went with an Imperial Stout last time uh this time i did i went with an imperial stout this uh is the world-renowned um founders kbs 
uh, purchased earlier this year, I believe. Let's see the date on the bottle. It was made in January, I think, of 22. These are these will age nicely if you put them in your cellar. Um, I took it out of my refrigerator a little while ago. I did I did cool it down. Um, I told you last time. A uh, good stout is better if it's not quite room temperature, a little bit colder than that, but you don't want it ice cold. So I think it's about ready. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and pop the cap. Pop it. Wasn't very loud. Oh, but I got it. We're I gonna, got all of it. We're going to get the pour. I might go heavy. Oh my God. Looks like you're changing oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a thick head. That's some thick head right there, boy. <laughs> That's <laughs> dirty. Mm. I got a solid. Now well, it's gone down now, maybe two and a half inches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna say it. That was that one was too. Some some that's what she said are too perfect that they don't even need to be said. And I just said it I, by explaining it. I but. teed it up for you. So let me let me well, yeah. give it a nose. Oh, it smells great. Does it? Ooh. Oh yeah, man! KBS is the best. I, I've been a fan of Founders forever. They're not paying me for this. This is right, free, right. but oh my god! Eight. So this is an Imperial Stout aged in burble, uh, burble, <laughs> bourbon barrels. Wonderful beer. Twelve percent right, ABV, I, so I can't drink too many of these. Are you ready for me to turn on my lightsaber? Yeah, turn on your lightsaber. Here it goes, boys and girls. Oh, mm. <laughs> oh yeah. Sprayed myself a little bit on that one. The can does give better audio. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, it's nothing like a good lightsaber opening. So um, where, where do we pick up where we left off with so Star Wars? I, I, I have to make some uh, apologies. I have to make some amends. Two things, first of all. Uh, I started part one when we did this uh, claiming that Star Wars was the greatest sci-fi movie ever made. I would like to amend that a little bit because I think I'm putting it in its own little box by saying sci-fi. I would say Star Wars is one of the greatest films of all time in any genre. Um, it doesn't have to be just science, science fiction. I, uh, I really felt like after I re list, after I listened to, uh, part one, the first thing I, when I when I said that it was the first note I took was like, "Uh, oh, why did I say that?" You know, it's just one of the greatest movies of all time. End of story. And we don't have to box it into some sort of a genre like sci-fi or anything like that. Now, people and I would call it the most pioneering. Now, a lot of people will say, "Well, Citizen Kane." Yes, Citizen Kane did a lot for cinematography. You know, they took the floorboards out of the out of the floor and put the cameraman in the floor so that he could film upwards. You know, they didn't never did shit like that before. So yes, Susan Kane was definitely like pioneering when it came to cinematography, but star Wars. And again, it just reaffirms my belief when I was watching light and magic. Again, I'm only three episodes into a six episode docuseries, but to see what those guys did. Oh, at ILM, it's absolutely amazing. It's insane. Yeah. Like they, they changed movies forever. And, and yeah. if you don't appreciate star Wars, like if you're not a Star Wars fan, you are probably not even listening right now. But if you are listening because you like our show, uh, but you're not that into Star Wars, you have to give this documentary a look to understand exactly how much this one film changed everything. Yeah, it just changed the entire game. Yeah, and I'm glad we're starting with that because I I got a hold of you and was talking to you about uh, 
about the documentary and how blown away I was. I've been, so for the listeners, I've been off work cause I had shoulder surgery. So I've been watching lots of star Wars and I'm probably put on five pounds since I've been off work. So I can't wait to start. I'm starting physical therapy next week. It's just, I feel five pounds of the force. I'm, I'm, I'm recovering well, but it, what it's doing though, it's giving me time to really dig into some of these things. And when I saw that there was a documentary on Disney plus called, uh, light and magic. I was like, Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I didn't know that until I think after we, uh, recorded the last episode. So, yeah. So I, it, I'm actually rewatching some of those. I've become almost a light and magic evangelist <laughs> because every time I see someone, I'm like, do you like Star Wars? <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, he's going to talk about his podcast. And I'm like, no, you got to see this documentary. It's freaking amazing. And uh, it is. And so I'm glad we're starting to talk about like, or including some of that. So first couple episodes in, um, geez, I was just blown away. Like they literally built their, they built everything from scratch. The, like the tech that the technology did not exist to film the movie that Lucas wanted to film. So while they were building models, while they were shooting in England, shooting scenes in England, Industrial Light and Magic were, they were building cameras. They were building technology to actually make the movie from scratch. It was crazy. That documentary is yeah. so amazing. That was the biggest eye opener for me. As much as I thought I knew about Star Wars, I didn't know that that's how it played out. That he went to England with the film crew. It was like, yeah. all right, we're going to be we're going to be directing and shooting the principal photography with all the actors. By the way, when we get back, we want all the other technical shit done already. Like he was <laughs> expecting all these shots to already be done yeah. with the spaceships and all that shit, the models. Like I to not realize that they were done at uh, you know, uh one after another, they were done simultaneously right. but on different sides sides of the planet right it's crazy like you know hey how's it going i might be back next week how's it looking well we got the millennium falcon built you know what i mean like <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> the fact that they're in one area is just doing all the technical stuff and like you said they didn't have the technology so what they did for anyone that doesn't know they took a bunch of old cameras that studios were like throwing away that were like basically obsolete like we've upgraded the new you know to the new panavision camera so we don't use the old VistaVision print anymore so all these dudes i love how episode one yeah. of that docuseries is called uh the gang of outsiders yeah, yeah that's what they were they were just a bunch of dudes that got together and they're like well let's let's take these cameras right um and let's they don't work for what we want to do, but if we modify them, right? You know, so they would take these old cameras that the studios were throwing away, and they took them apart and rebuilt them. Yeah, with all the you know all the specifications. That I think they wanted. I, th I think one of the guys said they Frankenstein them back to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he used the word Frankenstein. It was great. Yeah, um, but one of the interesting—I mean, there's so many interesting side points. But one of them is one of the dudes. First of all, let me just say, as the documentary started, and they start showing these names. Yeah. I mean, they're ringing a bell to me. The sec I mean, because I know these names on paper, yeah. but I don't know if I know what they look like. Right, right, right. right. So they say John Dykstra and, you know, uh, um, Joe Johnston and uh, what's his, uh, Jesus, Tippett, Phil Tippett. 
and um, God, I'm going to forget some. Uh, Richard Edlund, Ken Ralston. They they start showing these names, and I'm like, <laughs> these are the these are the guys. These yeah. are the guys. These are the outsiders that they're talking about. Uh, Dennis Murren. I mean, Jesus, there was so many. And and Joe Johnston is particularly an interesting one because people today um, might know him as a as a director. He did Captain America. Yeah. Um, he did Wolfman, uh, Jurassic Park three. Hidalgo. I mean, he's got credits. He's a director. He's got directing credits. But then you say, well, where did Joe Johnson start? Well, he was one of the guys that <laughs> got together and created ILM. Yeah. And and the other little piece of trivia um, that the documentary will tell you, Joe Johnston, the director of Captain America and all this stuff, was the man that created the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. And and what's interesting in that documentary is how they show what a solo ship was supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's like, hey, okay, it's just a spaceship. In fact, I think they say they end up using that model for the 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 blockade runner, which is the opening yeah. of A New Hope. I think that so, Princess yeah. Liaison, yeah, yeah. The rebellion ship. That was supposed to be solo ship. <laughs> and it's like, that's not sexy. That's yeah. not all. You know, that's not well, a ship that has solo would have. And I thought it was funny because the reason Lucas changed his mind on that model is because there was a similar looking spaceship on another, I can't remember if it was another movie or another or a television show at the time. In the yep. 70s. And he's like, he didn't want, he said, Han Solo needs his own ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not going to copy anything. <laughs> yeah. And that even went to the, the chessboard from A New Hope. How he wanted there to be little men, little real men. Yeah. But miniaturized. And as he's talking to Dykstra and Tippett and all these guys saying, yeah, this is what I want. Uh, some movie was being released in theaters. Literally at the time, it had that. It had that element that there was like a chessboard with real people in it. And Lucas is like, well, screw that. We ain't doing that now. <laughs> like, you know, because I'm not going to look like I'm copying off anybody. So they had, they redid it to what you see in the movie today, which is like the stop motion yeah, the animation mo- monsters, uh, cre- yeah. monster creatures. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously every, everything happens for a reason, right? Like yeah. all good things. Um, it's almost serendipitous that that Lucas didn't do what he originally wanted; had to do something else because that something else ends up being better yeah. than what he originally wanted. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the documentary, folks, Light and Magic, it is fantastic. I'm only three episodes in, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I will say I was bummed that uh, Dykstra and Lucas had a bit of a falling out because of how long it took him. Like, like I think that was that was it. I mean, Lucas was so upset and disappointed that they were behind schedule when he got back two shots done yeah two shots but but from our vantage point we got to see what lucas didn't actually see he knew they were doing it but to see what they did on the the documentary went into the hard work and and dykstra i mean so i mean he he got academy awards for it right he 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 held the he held oscar right and uh And he, you know, he did go on to other things, though. Uh, he didn't follow them uh, to San Francisco once they moved the studio. So that was, it was kind of a bummer. But I was like, man, the guy, I'm, I'm that, glad they gave him so much time in the documentary, though, because without him, so much of the movie wouldn't have happened at all. So. That was such a bummer moment, too. Yeah. Like, you could tell that he's heartbroken. Still, to this day, he's mm-hmm. like, what, in his 60s now or whatever, 70s. Yeah. Um. But you could tell that it still bothers him. Like that, I mean, he create, he helped. I don't even want to say 
that he started... Oh, jeez. Can you say that he was the original creator of ILM? I mean, sure, it was Lucas. It's Lucas's money that he got from American Graffiti. But yeah, I would say ILM, so. Does ILM happen without John Dykstra? That's no. a good question. It, not not the way we know it because he's... I mean, you're right. He's the one. And it was him that like called all his buddies. Yeah, he's the one that got all these guys together. Yeah, he, he's the one so, that gathered the... Uh, what would they call him? In the, that, the outsider, the gang of the, the outsiders. gang of outsiders. It was just all his riffraff buddies that, yeah. and it was funny because they were all like a specialty with something, but none of them yeah. were really making any money at it. They, you know, they're just they're good at stuff, uh, you know, something specific. But together, they made a freaking yeah. powerhouse. You know, when it came yeah. to being able to create that stuff. Yeah, and you could just, you know, to know that, you know, before Empire, we're going to move everything up to Northern California, and John, you're not invited. Like, that's yeah, uh, that, that was, had that to was, have been... That was tough. Oh, uh, that had to have stunk. But, okay, so so we moved on from best sci-fi movie of all time. I take that back. Uh, <laughs> now, the other thing I have to mention, and this one's way worse. This one's super serious. This is, like, the biggest snafu that I'm sure every... Star Wars canon geek, and maybe even just you and McGregor fan geeks, were screaming at their iPod when I or their iPod. Did I just say iPod? What year is this? <laughs> is this two thousand five? Um, <laughs> screaming at the podcast as I said it. I referred to you and McGregor as British, and I didn't mean yeah. to do it. Sorry, folks. Uh, we all know you and McGregor is Scottish, um, and I totally I apologize for that. Uh, that was the uh, the biggest blunder of the part one of our podcast. And and again, it wasn't something that I realized until I listened to it later. And I'm like, did I just say he was British? <laughs> but you know, well, what can you do? I guess uh, I think it because we were talking about how geeked he was to be able to play the young Sir Alec Guinness, right? Um, to be a sir, right? You're knighted. Yeah. Right? So I think I uh, wasn't really thinking when I was just abridging the gap between uh, Sir Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor, and I mistakenly called him British. Uh, yeah. Believe me, folks, I punished myself that night by getting ex- <laughs> just exquisitely drunk on scotch in favor and 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 you know for you and mcgregor i did it for you and mcgregor and i think he would appreciate that so one of the things that uh i said that i did as i revisited rise of skywalker um i don't know why i think because uh enough time has passed now of me hating everything about it that i thought i'd give it another shot um it's still not great but I think in part one of our podcast, we ranked them episodes seven, eight, nine as the three worst. Well, that would mean that Rise of Skywalker was the worst of the three. I'm going to amend that. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say it's actually the best of the final three. And I know some people are like, what? Yeah, it's true. The Palpatine coming back part and all the, I am all the Sith. And she's, I am all the Jedi, whatever the hell that means. Like, yes, that was probably the worst moment of the movie. But... If you think about it, The Force Awakens is just a rehash of A New Hope. It's almost the same story of A New Hope, start to finish. And Last Jedi is, well, The Last Jedi. We already spent enough conversation on why <laughs> that is probably the worst of any Star Wars movie. Um, so I'm going to stick that one in the rear and put okay. Force Awakens in the middle and say that Rise of Skywalker is the best of those three. Now, that doesn't mean it's good. It just means yeah. it's the best of the Disney three. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I, I'll go with you on that because I'm, <laughs> I'm so indifferent when it comes to the last three. I don't know. It's just yeah, I'm a little it, bitter. Uh, it's, 
it's tough. I had to give it another go. I had to give it another go. There was some, there were some things that I had forgotten about that I actually laughed at and other moments where I was kind of like nostalgically sad, you know, in Star Wars. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, and I was like, because you know that that's Carrie Fisher's last performance, and she literally her character dies in the film, right? And you're watching it knowing that she died in real life. Yeah, that was rough, man. So there and, were a couple parts where I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give this film not a lot of credit, but I'm gonna give it enough to be better than the Last Jedi and Force Awakens. So yeah, uh, a little bit of extra love. But one thing I did want to talk about is in one of those. It's not really a dream sequence, but it was like a little montage of like mental images that Ray is seeing. Mm-hmm. One of the frightening things that she sees is her fighting herself. Yeah. Like as if she was to turn to the dark side. She has a double-sided lightsaber. And it was used in a publicity ad where there was a picture of Ray in sort of like a dark Sith cloth uh, cloak. And she was holding this double-sided lightsaber, and everybody lost their shit, obviously. They're like, is that what's going to happen in the last movie? Oh, my God, she's going to turn to the dark side. Um, But what's interesting is they should have, that should have been her lightsaber. Like, not red, right? right? Because she's not a Sith. But um, to see how she fights people, like in A Force Awakens, you see how she fights people with that staff that she carries. She carried that staff all the time. Wouldn't it have been cool... If when she was in full Jedi out, you know, full Jedi mode, that she had a double-sided lightsaber like Darth Maul, only it was blue. Right. I I love that idea. green. You know, that would have been so cool that that's how she fights. She's a double-sided lightsaber fighter. You know, like, that's just her style. That would have been cool. I wish they would have gone that route. Um, Once again, here we are talking about what we wish they would have done. Yes. (laughs) Again, if they would have just contacted me before they did it. Uh, we wouldn't be having this problem, but uh, you know there it is. Um, so, any more before you close the book on Ray's lightsaber and the rise of Skywalker? Anything else you want to add to that movie, or to the <laughs> to either to the whole discussion? I guess. Yeah, not really, because like I said, I was so indifferent about those last three movies. I'm I'm willing to just move on and talk about other things. There's so <laughs> there's so much more to talk about when it comes to Star Wars. I just want to kind of forget it. You don't want to waste any more time yeah. on Disney sequels. No. I'm like, you know, we talked about them. We gave them their, their props, right? We gave them the respect. Now I'm done. I, I just, I'm done. <laughs> like, there's so much more to talk about when it comes to Star Wars. So. Yes, there is. Now, have you, you saw uh, The Mandalorian, right? Uh, and the... not all the way through. Ah, uh, crap. Okay. I know. I actually stopped. Yeah, so, I mean, it's no... Here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen The Mandalorian, like my brother, <laughs> or The Book well, of Boba... I've Bo- seen some of it. Or I've The Book of Boba Fett, then... I haven't seen that yet. But, but if you're listening to this podcast, like my brother knows, um, Boba Fett comes back. So that's not a secret. It was such big news when it happened. Even those of us that didn't see it right away, we heard about it. So that... So I thought that was interesting. Uh, to to uh, kind of work through that because I for most of my adult life most if, since I was a kid uh, I thought Boba Fett was rotting away in the belly of that beast you know for the yeah. next for the next the what three thousand years or whatever ridiculous amount of time it was supposed to be I forget Sarlacc. how many how many years was it supposed to be he was supposed to be digested a thousand a thousand, a thousand years, years. Yeah. <laughs> now remember with his armor it's hard to digest I know for a thousand years I know but so. <laughs> I appreciate what they did, though, and and you told me that that is canon, right? 
That I mean, yeah, that was canon yes. before they made the movies yeah, or the, so the, that, the TV so, shows, I should say. Right, 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 right. So what, apparently, in all these novelizations that come out, um, that he he put a he shoved a grenade into the intestines or something. No, that's they, they show it in the first episode of the book of Boba Fett. That's how it opens. Uh, and, oh, so what? So you tell me. So what is it? What is the fact? well? So. I guess I'm not giving anything away because everyone knows he survives. And so the first <laughs> the first scene is him in the belly. They show him in the belly of the beast. And wow. he basically, he's freaking out. He can't, he's like, he can't breathe. And he sees the stormtrooper that fell in and he's dead. And he, he makes his way to the stormtrooper and he breaks off his oxygen and he gets some oxygen. But then he's got that flamethrower on his, you know, on his suit. And so he just lights it up from the inside and the thing dies and he ends up climbing out. So right. yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty cool. And I didn't know that was canon cause I didn't read all the books and everything, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the story because I'm just, I think two episodes in now to the book of Boba Fett. He's a freaking badass. I knew he was a cool yeah. character, but they really made him a badass and, and I'm really enjoying the series so far. So. I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. So on that note of people that come back to life, we already talked about Palpatine, which I guess that was another reason why I wanted to revisit Rise of Skywalker is I wanted to see if I missed something because I was like, did they ever really explain how Palpatine comes back? And they really don't. They don't really give a good explanation. It's just sort of like, um, he's just back now and <laughs> he's been creating everything. He, he was behind the first order. He was behind, he created Snoke, you know? Like now he, I can't remember. Is he back or is he like a spirit back? Like, like Obi-Wan was, he'd come no, back as a it's, spirit. It's his, it's his body. Okay. And exactly. Fact, I couldn't remember. He tries to bait Ray and say, it, I want you to, to kill me because the, the moment you kill me, like the moment you kill me with your lightsaber, my Sith force ghost, whatever, blah, 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 is going to go into you okay. and make you the next Sith Lord, whatever, blah, 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 trying to set up this. Well, she can't kill him then because then that's going to happen. But of course it doesn't happen and she kills him anyway. And, you know, right, um, right. I don't know. It's just, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm so unsatisfied. So yet another reason I want to move on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But no, but but we only brought it up again because of the idea that there are characters that die in Star Wars and come back. Yes. So um, name another one. You, you you and I were talking about this off the air a little uh, um, a few days ago. Oh, um, Darth Maul. Darth Maul. So yeah. Darth Maul. So a lot of people will say, you know, that aren't familiar uh, or. So I am one of the people that fall into the category of I didn't watch uh, the Clone Wars, which was the animated series. And didn't read a lot of the books. I just, I'm, I'm mostly the Star Wars movie guy. And I watched, you know, episode one, Phantom Menace, just like everybody else. I saw him get chopped in half and drop down the, the, you know, thing like everybody else. And, and then, uh, you watch, um, what is it? Solo. And he pops up at the end of Solo. And if you're like me, you're one of the people that was like, wait a minute. How could it be him? He's dead. And then yeah. everybody else is like, well, yeah, but if you read the books or if you watch this or watch that, you'll see that he didn't die. He actually, you know, came back or he survived or right. whatever it is. 
So that's another one where uh, you read and you're like, wait a minute. So getting chopped in half doesn't kill you <laughs> in Star Wars anymore. They 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 almost like reworded it as, well, he lost his legs. He got himself some new <laughs> legs. On. Like, new legs? What is he, Gary Denise and Forrest Gump? He's got new <laughs> legs now? Like, that's that's what we're going with? That's, that's that easy? Um, but, but, there is, but, there, <laughs> but there is a story there about how he... Uh, um again the 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 bad guys the mob in solo is like crimson dawn or something like that whatever again there's people that are probably screaming at the podcast um if i got that wrong but it's um he's basically running them and that's like his new job now like so he, you know disillusioned from the sith because palpatine went and got himself a new apprentice and so he sort of just became a mobster or ran a mob uh, for power, you know, things like that. There is an interesting story that surrounds Darth Maul years after Phantom Menace. But he's just yet again one of the people that show up and, you know, regular audience members that aren't the canon geeks that aren't familiar with all this. <laughs> right. They're like, all right, wait a minute, wait a minute. So he's back. I know that. Palpatine comes that was back. A, that was a head scratcher for me. I was like, Boba come on. Fett comes back and it's like, what the hell is going on? here now when i first saw solo and in the theater opening weekend of course because that's how i roll with star wars movies um there uh a couple of points in the movie they refer to but don't really talk about the boss you know what i mean like the guy that's running whoever the head bad guy is mm-hmm. and about halfway through i remember thinking i bet you it's vader I bet you Vader is running these bad guys and he's going to make an appearance at the end. Wouldn't that be badass? Yeah, and right. Sure enough, we get to the end and it's not Vader, <laughs> but it is Darth Maul. So I knew a Sith Lord was in there somewhere. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. So I think the reason why they bring back these uh, characters um, is because I think they got more popular than I thought they were, than they originally thought they were going to be. You know, I think Darth Maul was created with the idea of just being a, a Sith Lord that was going to be a problem, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, the rule of two comes into play. So they knew that if they were going to start the whole thing, episode one, Phantom Menace, the Emperor was Darth Sidious. He's going to have to have an apprentice. Mm-hmm. And to make room for Anakin, this apprentice would have to be killed off, probably by Obi-Wan. So, but I think they didn't realize that Darth Maul was so cool and how he looked was so cool right. that his popularity would grow that they were then probably like, well, now we got to add him in. Now, this is something the canon geeks would know and I don't. Did Darth Maul, before Phantom Menace was even made, was there novelizations that included Darth Maul? Was right, he already right. a character that was known? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but it appears to me that every time they do this, it's because <laughs> of the popularity, Boba Fett's popularity. They have right. to bring him back. You right. Know? I, I think that's I think that's it. I think that it's just because of the popularity. However, it does answer a question or answer a problem, I should say, that you and I talked about. So you read an article. Can we just talk about that really quick? The article you read about uh, Star Trek? Uh, yeah. Okay. So there was an article uh, online, and I believe its headline said something like, what Star Trek does right and Star Wars does wrong. And right off the bat, I'm like, what the <laughs> There's bullshit. No way. There's nothing. There's nothing. And I'm I'm not a Trekkie, but I enjoy some of the movies. Like yeah. I'm still kind of a Star Trek fan. Who doesn't love Wrath of Khan, you know? Um, so there are definitely uh, Star Trek things that I like. But when I saw the headline, I was like, 
well, I can't wait to read this article so I can shit all over it. And so I start reading the article and I'm like, oh my God, they're right. And what, what they talk about is the one thing Star Trek always gets, always got right was they built up the, the group of characters, right? The people you know, the Spock, Kirk, Aurora, um, you know, D- Dr. McCoy, you know, you get these people and then they go on adventures. Every movie, every TV episode, every installment is just another adventure. It could go on forever. Yeah. There's no there's no deadline. They created Star- it was an episodic right. idea. Star Wars comes off like it's episodic, but it 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 pigeonholed itself. It it kind of painted itself into a corner where it gave itself deadlines. Like, well, this we can't just make any movie we want. It has where is it gonna fit in the timeline, right? Is it pre-Anakin Skywalker? Is it post-Anakin Skywalker? Well, you know, what once you do a new hope. Anything you do before that is going to meet an eventual deadline. For instance, if Solo, let's just say Solo was hugely popular, they could only make so many Solo sequels before you start running into A New Hope. You know what I mean? Like right. you you give you cap yourself with deadlines that it has to fit into a certain time frame and it can't just live forever. Right. There's got to be an endpoint. Especially when they set up this good versus evil, Jedi versus Sith. Well, if the ultimate finish particularly in, say, Rise of Skywalker, is the end of the Sith, well, then what the hell? Why would we even continue watching? Right. Right? Where Star Trek is, there is no one bad guy. Yes, there's the Borg and the Klingons, and they always have these common enemies, but there's never any eradicating of the enemy, of of all enemies, I should say, where there's nobody left to fight. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just another, the next movie, there'll be another enemy. There'll be yeah. another bad guy. There'll be a whole new world of people they have to fight. There's no limit to Star Trek. Star Wars limits itself. And that, I, when I read that article, it blew my mind. I was like, my God, that is so true. Yeah. Well, and, and you uh, can and you you can see that not just the fact that they keep making Star Trek movies, but all the Star Trek TV shows over the years. Right. I mean, they've had yeah. the next generation. You've had... Uh, I forget. I forget them all. Like Deep Space or something, whatever nine or whatever. Because um, I wasn't a total Trekkie into them all. I I did watch a lot of the uh, Next Generation, I guess. But um, but because they set the framework, they could just get a new crew and do the same thing, and it's cool, you know. So they did do that. I did. I do give them some props. I do like the uh, twist in the new uh, Star Trek series that came out. Uh, trilogy i sh- i guess about um how they did it by changing the timeline so it's the original characters played by different actors um right. so it's the original crew i should say played by different actors but because they changed the timeline they get to have similar but different adventures right they did have yes. a wrath of khan but it was different right? right so i thought that was very creative i thought it was good storytelling so, anyways, this isn't about Star Trek. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is about but, Star Wars, but I wanted yeah. to give them their props since it came so, up. So back off a little bit <laughs> um, on this on the Star Trek love, but no, but but what's funny about that too? One more thing on Star Trek, they pulled the same thing. A, a very popular character was killed off a little too early, 
and they had to bring him back. We oh, back in the yeah, Spock, right? Star Trek Two, the Star Trek Two. Now there's like nine Star Trek movies. They kill off Spock in the second one, in part two. <laughs> so they knew, like, well, you know what? That was stupid. We can't do that. We got to bring him back, right? So they had to bring him back. So that's, but that's a little different. That'd be like killing off Luke Skywalker and realizing, oh shit, we just killed off Luke. We gotta, how the hell are we gonna fix that? We got to bring him back, right? So yeah, so you know, and nobody's above that. Everyone has to do it. Um, so there you go. But the interesting thing about death, right? We talked about these people dying and then coming back. What about the Jedi or even the Sith, right? How do some die? Again, the, the, the canon nerds know the answer to this. I don't. How do some uh, Jedi die and they disappear right away and some don't, right? What's the criteria? Um, I want to say Amy, our sister, asked me this one time. And, you know, being the know-it-all that I am, I came up with some bullshit answer like I knew <laughs> and I really don't. But I was like, well... Technically, when they're ready to be absorbed into the force, they disappear. If they die before their time, yeah, they weren't ready to so, go yet. So who disappeared be... that we know of? Uh, so Obi Wan, uh, Yoda disappears. Yep, Yoda when he dies. Obi Wan disappears when he dies. Yes. Um, Anakin does not. Yeah. Um, Luke disappeared when he died. Right, old man Luke, at the <sighs> and in the Last Jedi. Um, he disappears, which by the way, I have to say, there's a, a cool point about that. Somebody, I think wrote Ryan Johnson. I think he's the one that retold this. He's like, I got an email from somebody and he said, uh, he was expecting another piece of hate mail or something, right? Because everybody hated the last Jedi. Yeah. He said, this person wrote him and said, you actually got one thing wrong. When Luke dies and absorbs into the force and as the force ghost, his mechanical fake hand should have fell to the ground. Uh, right? Yeah. And it didn't. It disappeared with him. <laughs> and he was like, it made so much sense. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> Damn. That'll be yeah. in. So if, if, if they follow in Star Wars tradition, in about 20 years, they're going to re-release the video and edit it. <laughs> yeah, they'll do a special edition Last Jedi. You'd have to do a lot of edits for yeah. a special edition yeah, Last no Jedi Completely to make it. change it. To make it good. But yeah, that would have, that was one point that should have happened. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so good. Luke disappears, Yoda disappears, Obi-Wan disappears. Qui-Gon doesn't, mm -hmm. right? Qui-Gon does not. To say, and, and no Sith ever do, right? Uh, Count Dooku didn't disappear. Right. So you could say, okay, if you're a Sith, that eliminates you right off the bat, right? Because you don't get to be absorbed into the Force if you abused the Force for bad. Okay? All right, let's just say that's a rule. Fine. But Anakin redeems himself. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Before he dies. Exactly. So why didn't he disappear? Yeah. And an Attack of the Clones, and the end battle of Attack of the Clones, where there are like a friggin' 300 Jedi that are fighting all the bad guys at the end of Attack of the Clones, there's like a hundred of them die, maybe even more. Like there's just bodies everywhere. There's yeah. just dead Je Jedi. Dead Jedi everywhere. Dead Jedi laying everywhere. Not one of those bastards disappeared. <laughs> so what... So, uh, who? What rule is this? Like, who gets to say who disappears? Like, like yeah. it's just like a, a bunch of force ghosts in the sky that say, "Nah, you know that that uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Give it a Jedi name, Plethora. Plethora. She wasn't good enough. She doesn't get to disappear yet. You know, like sorry. Like, who who sets the criteria and who gets to disappear? That's, right. That's you know. So, so unless. Go ahead. My my opinion is uh, Lucas didn't think that hard about it. He thought it was a cool move in Star Wars to have him disappear. Um, 
So he did, and he didn't think any more about it. <laughs> well, also because they set up a new hope is set up like he did this on purpose. A. Yeah. B. Well, A, he did it on purpose so that he could influence Luke, right? So he could right. always be in his head. So he could always be telling him, you know, use the force. Luke, trust me. You know, he could always be talking in his head. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. by the way, you realize he only comes and goes at his convenience. How many times <laughs> has Luke been like, Ben, please? And there's no Ben, right? He's just like, no, I'm ignoring you. I'm putting you on mute. I freaking told you not to do this, and you did it anyway. So now I'm just I'm sending you right to voicemail. You know, like he just he doesn't show up whenever <laughs> he only shows up when it's convenient for him. To say nothing of the right. fact that at the end of Empire Strikes Back in the beginning of Return of the Jedi is supposed to be what like three years? I know it's, the movies are three years apart, but in the story, isn't it supposed to be like years? Like I mean, we we could probably Google how long was Han Solo in the Carbonite? Right. You know, I don't know yeah. if you look that up right now while I'm talking, right. Do it right now. Go okay. ahead and look it up. <laughs> how long was Han Solo in the Carbonite? That'll tell you how much time took place between Empire and Return of the Jedi. There's going to be a point at the end of this rainbow. Trust me. If you follow me, <laughs> I will show you. I'm waiting to hear how long it was. Was it 18 months? Was it two years? Was it three years? So according to the official timeline, the events the events in Empire Strikes Back took place in 3 ABY. The events in Return of the Jedi took place in 4 ABY. Oh, so, it's so it's only a year, a year, a year later. Okay, then why? Tell me why. In this whole year, 12 months, <laughs> Luke hasn't talked to Ben. We know he hasn't talked to Ben. Yeah. He hasn't gone back to see Yoda. We know he hasn't seen Yoda, right? So how did he go from Luke, who just got his ass kicked... By Vader at the end of Empire. <laughs> right. So when Return of the Jedi starts, he's a full-fledged, fully trained Jedi. Yeah. Who the hell was training him? <laughs> if he hasn't seen Yoda or Ben in a year, what, he just he freaking looked it up on Google? Like, how did he find out how to be well, a Jedi? Well, I mean, I assumed he was communing with the ghost of Yoda and Ben. Maybe. Yoda wasn't uh, dead yet. Oh, you're right. Well, so how, so how the hell? Exactly. Oh, my Who God. Who was training him? I forgot Who he died in him? that movie. God. And we know that he hasn't talked to either Yoda or Ben, because when he sees him for the first time in Return of the Jedi, he's like, Ben, why didn't you tell me about Darth Vader being my dad? He says the same thing to Yoda. Hey, I came, I came back to complete the training. That's what he tells him. Yeah. I came back to complete the training. And Yoda says, no more training do you require. What? What did he take a take-home pamphlet? How did he know? How is he? How, how did he just train himself? Is that what we're doing? We're self-learning? Like he's friggin' works at Blockbuster. He's a like, homeschooler. How, <laughs> apparently, a very damn good one, I guess. If you ask me, because if you boil it all down, Luke went from an eighteen-year-old farm boy who knew only about moisture evaporators. <laughs> to what four years later he is a fully trained jedi and really you could break that down to maybe a couple of weekends at yoda's dagobah ranch like that's it that's that's really all he's had right ben taught him a, ben taught him a couple of things but really Yo ben just yoda's dagobah ranch i want a t-shirt that says that <laughs> Ben Ben really just taught him how to fight against the stupid remote that was flying around. Like really? And that's all it took for him. Like these some of these kids are born in the Republic. They're raised from birth. And they're not even that good. Like they're okay, Jedi, but they're not the best. Right. And Luke, 
I mean, there has to be something for being Anakin's son because <laughs> Luke gets minimal training and he becomes one of the strongest Jedi ever. Yeah. So, anyway, how did we get off on this rant? We were talking about Force ghosts. Well, yeah, Force ghosts. So, <laughs> so, well, so yeah, I'm gonna take so this. Don't... I'm gonna take this pause moment to crack my second bottle. There you go. This is twelve percent. I might not be okay when this podcast That's is over. The whole point of what we do <laughs> is the whole point. Here we go with the pour. Uh oh. You get take off the top. You got to take it off the top there. Oh, that was a heavy pour. That's what she said. Man, this is like mm, beer candy. <laughs> that was a Yoda laugh. <laughs> yeah, that was actually. <laughs> if Yoda had an imperial stout. <laughs> uh, oh, one more thing I wanted to add from part one. We talked a lot about pop culture, Star Wars's place in pop culture. One thing we totally didn't talk about mm. that there are fans of this show that probably went nuts when they heard us not talk about it. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane, who created Family Guy. Big Star Wars fan. Anybody that's a Family Guy fan and a Star Wars fan had the beautiful, beautiful opportunity to witness a three-part series, a three-part, three episodes, I guess I should say, where Seth MacFarlane gives his his homage to Star Wars with a parody. Yeah. Um, Luke Skywalker is obviously played by the son, um, uh, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> the dog Brian is Chewbacca, of course. Of course. Um, Han Solo is the dad, Peter Griffin. Lois, of course, is is uh, Princess Leia. Um, I want to say <laughs> Quagmire is C three PO. I think <laughs> Cleveland is R two D two. So um, it's great if you haven't seen it. But what what what's great? Wait, is wait, the did, titles. didn't the sister play the eyeball? Oh, so we'll get to oh Mila Kunis and and God. Uh, for anyone that's listening, I love Mila Kunis. I have a special crush for that woman. She is so beautiful. <laughs> and she does the voice of Meg on Family Guy, which is ironic because in the show Family Guy, Meg is supposed to be the ugly one, right? The like the outcast that everybody hates. Everybody yeah. in the family hates her, right? Like they talk shit about her in front of her, like they don't care. She's supposed to be this ugly, stinky, like whatever. She's just the worst person ever. And she's voiced by obviously one of the most beautiful people in Hollywood. So, but <laughs> that that disrespect to Meg gets carried into this Star Wars parody because um, she has like little to no parts in, in any of the episodes. Now, I'd have to go back and look at the second one, but I know the third installment she plays the Sarlacc. <laughs> it's her only part. Hey, and, and, explain and, and, what the Sarlacc is for the novice well, that's, uh, that, that, Star Wars that's fan. That's the pit that's the pit in the desert that ate yeah. Boba Fett that we talked about earlier. So, um in that desert out with yeah. Jabba the Hutt and all that stuff. But what's uh <laughs> funny in the first movie, um you know, you start the whole thing, the first episode where they're like totally riffing on A New Hope. And you say, "Where's Meg? I haven't seen Meg. Meg hasn't shown up yet." So you're waiting for Meg, right? And then there's the trash shoot scene, which from A New Hope is where they're in the trash chute and they're trying to get out. And in A New Hope, there's one moment where the monster's eyeball comes up and like looks around and then goes back into the water. Well, that's Meg. And that's her only part in the first 
<laughs> the parody. Yeah. Is, and, and you know it's made because she's wearing the same hat she always wears in the in the show. And she's the Sarlacc in the third one. I can't remember who she is in the second one. I know people are screaming at their at their podcast again. But yeah, she's in the second one somewhere, I'm sure. But the titles is what always cracked me up. So the title of the first Family Guy Star Wars A New Hope spoof is Blue Harvest. Now, that was trivia we did not mention in part one of this podcast. Yeah. Do you know the significance of Blue Harvest? I don't. So, Blue Harvest... Actually, actually a- you know what? I do I do remember you told me this recently. I didn't. So, go ahead and tell everyone else that doesn't know. It's It was the shooting title for Return of the Jedi. Because when they went to go shoot Return of the Jedi, like the principal photography in whatever state they went to to shoot this... Uh, they didn't want fans all over the place. There was a lot of secrecy. They didn't want anyone to know they were shooting a Star Wars movie. So their shooting title on every piece of paperwork that they had to make it official to get yeah. licenses and stuff was Blue Harvest. Right. And nobody knew what the hell that was, so they left them alone. They didn't know they were shooting another Star Wars movie. Right. So, of course, Seth MacFarlane uses that as the title for his A New Hope sp- uh, spoof. And then the title of the second spoof episode, which is a rip of Empire Strikes Back, is and I can only do this. Oh, by the way, Stewie. Anyone that knows Family Guy, Stewie, of course, is Darth Vader. Of course, he is. Right? Like you wouldn't have had a better Darth Vader than Stewie, the baby, the evil baby from Family Guy. Um, so the second one has an even better title, but to do it justice, you have to almost imitate it in Palpatine's voice. <laughs> so the title of the second episode, the spoof of Empire, is something, something, something dark side. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. then, of course, uh, perfectly, the third one, which is a, a spoof of Return of the Jedi, of course, that title is It's a Trap, which you know yeah. is Admiral Akbar yeah. in Return of the Jedi. It's a trap. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you're a Family Guy fan, you already know all of this. If you're not a Family Guy fan, <laughs> uh, familiarize yourself a little bit with the characters and then you know, find, watch a few episodes. Find it on YouTube. And then go find these episodes. They are hilarious if you're a Star Wars fan. It's so, it's so great. Another bit of pop culture that I threw at you this week uh, in preparation for the show is like, it's funny because so many things just pop up and like, oh my God, I forgot about that, you know? And yeah. one for me was Weird Al Yankovic's... Uh, song that he did um after phantom menace came out and it was it was to the song american pie but it was uh a star war it was called the saga begins and that was the name that was the name of the song so and uh it's just looking i looked up the uh the youtube version with lyrics and it's it's funny because it you know how american pie begins real slow well in in the song uh weird al did (laughs) a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away (laughs) and he just goes into the story he does the whole story and i loved it back then and i wish we could play the music on the podcast but you know the uh the uh more the the legal police will knock us down if we did so look it up on youtube if you've never heard weird al yankovic's uh, the saga begins. It's wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean that's and that's Weird Al. Weird Al does some great, <laughs> great stuff like that. Absolutely wonderful. Um, so uh, we can transition now into since you were talking about pop culture. Yeah. Um, you wanted to give 
Well, should we go here now? Yeah, I guess we can go here now. You wanted to give a shout out. Didn't you want to give some shout outs to some, uh, to some folks? Um, Ed Lee at 86 Yeti. Yeah. So let me pull it up. Yeah. 86 Yeti. He's a, a local musician and I was blown away by him. Uh, at, he did, uh, a little show at this lot, open lot in the city I live in, uh, where there's a taco truck and he just plays the drums and he has all this pre-mixed music that he plays that he created, but he plays while he's playing the drums. It sounded great. And I'm a Pink Floyd fan. Well, he listened to the show and he, he messaged us on Instagram and, uh, actually, yeah, he had a question. Let me, let me pull that up. So yeah, he he mentioned the Pink Floyd concert that I mentioned in the last. I guess he went to that that concert too. Um, anyone that loves that kind of music, like psychedelic, uh, look up eighty six Yeti. Uh, I think that's his stage name on Spotify. I could be wrong, but it's good stuff. Let's see where. Uh, yeah. So the question he had, he asked about if we were familiar in episode six, uh, what the Ewok planet or the Ewok moon. Uh, home planet, I guess, of uh, the Ewoks, uh, what that almost was. Lucas had had it written as something else. Do you remember what that was, Jer? Um, yeah, so you mean before it was the uh, Ewoks. So the planet that the Wookiees are from, I think it's called uh, uh, Kashyyyk, Kash- Kashyyyk or something like that? Yes, uh, yeah, Kashyyyk. Yep. So yeah, Lucas originally wrote it as uh, it was supposed to be uh, the new Death Star was supposed to be built around their planet using using the Wookiees as slave labor. Uh, now, my buddy here said that he heard it was because of the budget. They decided to go with Ewoks. I don't. It doesn't say that in the little Google search uh, on Wikipedia. It just says that he did, in fact, change direction. Uh, it didn't say why. So that's an interesting. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize that. So that was an interesting uh, a fact that that uh, eighty six Yeti brought me. So thank you, and uh, just wanted to give you a shout out for that. Who else? There's a couple other people who actually sent me voicemails, and I promised. I well, I didn't promise. I said we might be able to. Uh, <laughs> and this is where the mic comes in. Uh, shout out to Chose eight one zero. Chose started following us. Sent me some uh, messages. I'll give Tyler Moldovan a, a shout out. He's working on a uh, horror uh, film festival here in Port Huron, Michigan, this fall. So I believe it's the end of October, right about right around Halloween. I don't have any details on it yet to put on this podcast, but I, yeah, I will uh, on the next show if uh, if it's available. Um, I'm I'm hoping to go to that, and uh, who knows? Maybe I'll be able to record something while I'm there and put it on our show. Nice. So on on Instagram, uh, three three and a half gentlemen uh, podcast uh, started uh, following us on Instagram. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, the the podcast I just started listening to their show and I didn't get. I've been super busy. I, I want to listen because they have a similar show uh, where it's like a movie or media review podcast. So the description is a podcast where four hosts review movies and one tries to keep up. The question, <laughs> the question, how many drinks does it take to to get through each film? So it definitely sounds like a fun podcast. So I, I encourage our listeners to go check them out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, here's another uh, Instagram follower that started following us. Uh, the Instagram handle is Lights Camera Rant. That's the name of the podcast. 
Uh, let me see what their Instagram says. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Rant, streaming every Tuesday morning. They stream live and record it, I believe, um, where they talk about the latest in movies, TV shows, and video. So uh, check them out. What's really cool about this uh, listener now, um, he, he did message me. Let's see if it picks up. Hey, Chris, this is Lee from Lights, Camera, Rant. Thank you very much for the follow back. Really appreciate that. Uh, yes, I found you guys through uh, that podcast morning show uh, on Clubhouse. Um, and yeah. That's all I'm going to play. We kind of go off and talk about our, our podcast morning show that we both uh, uh, go on on Clubhouse. But uh, Lee, yeah, so he, Lee is from Australia, I believe Melbourne. So our first Australian uh, listener. So thanks and shout out to Lee. Um, yeah, he's got a cool podcast, uh, movie, uh, t- media review podcast. So check him out as well. So those are my, those are my call outs, uh, for now. Um, all right. So next, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is something that I noticed when watching these movies over and over and over again, as I tend to do. Um, there's this one thing that I hate that irritated me and I didn't realize what irritated me about it, except for when I, then I realized that usually only Sith do this shit. And it's this, what I call the, the Sith bitch move. (laughs) And it's when they're fighting somebody like with a lightsaber and they either are afraid to lose or don't want to lose or think they're going to lose or can't lose whatever, because there's so much on the line that they just force push their opponent. Like, just force push them back. Yeah. And then drop something on them or whatever. Like, like, bitch, stand up and fight with a lightsaber. Like, that is such a weak <laughs> ass. Like, we all have the force. Uh, we can all move rocks and shit. Yeah. Like, like the, uh, the, you're not impressing anyone by doing that shit. And I noticed it when I was watching the films as uh, Phantom Menace first. Darth Maul does that shit to Obi-Wan. And yeah. he almost wins the fight by doing it to Obi-Wan. Right? Right. And then... Uh, Count Dooku does it a couple of times. He does it in Attack of the Clones, and then he does it again in uh, Revenge of the Sith. He does it to Obi Wan again. Where and then and then to to top it off, he, he then uses the Force to push like a staircase on top of Obi Wan to pin him down. <laughs> right. Like, are you that much of a punk ass bitch? You can't fight him man to man. You got to be throwing stuff around like that, you know. And then Vader does it to Luke, right? He doesn't necessarily force push him, but he starts throwing shit at him in Empire Strikes Back, right? Is like starts throwing all these kinds of stuff at him, just using the force. And and it was really irritating me. And I was thinking, like, man, only Sith do that shit. Jedi don't do that stuff. Jedi just fight you straight up. And then I watched Kenobi. The series Kenobi, and in the series finale, you see Obi-Wan learned his lesson. He learned something by watching Count Dooku and Darth Maul. Right. He does it to Anakin. He does it to the Anakin turned Vader. He starts launching rocks at him and shit, and he's force pushing him back. It's like, okay, Kenobi learned. He learned his lesson. He found out that, okay, this might be a bitch Sith move, but hey, I'm going to use it on the Sith because that's just the kind of guy I am. Well, and doesn't, doesn't Ray do that in the, the last movies? Um, with uh, what's his name, the emo, the emo uh, guy that I <laughs> can't the emo guy. Yeah, in the last <laughs> movie it was Ben. <laughs> ben. Yeah, Ben. You're losing me. Ky- uh, 
Kylo. Oh, Kylo. Oh, Ben Solo. Ky- yeah, Ben oh, Solo. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. when he emo when she, guy? yeah emo you guy. You referred to Kylo as the emo. I, guy? I did. I I hated it so much. I called him a punk ass bitch when I watched it. I'm like, look at this guy. He's just a punk ass bitch. He's the emo he is. guy. Killed his dad. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, who kills their dad anymore? That's. <laughs> but when she was fighting Kylo. I remember there was a scene where she like used the force and it froze his, his lightsaber in place. You know, it's like, oh, that's that's pretty clever. You know, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't, hadn't seen that one before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. She did do that. Yeah. Um, but again, I would say that Obi Wan started to learn the lesson. Obviously, actually, a little or sooner than that in the fight against Anakin in the end of Revenge of the Sith, they try to force push each other. Yeah, you yeah, 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 and yeah. There's that moment where they're for. It's almost like he sensed that Anakin's going to try to force push me, so I better <laughs> do it back. And they like did it to each other. Right. But um, but obviously that's like a move that they teach them. You know what I mean? Like, so when you're in the middle of a lightsaber fight, if you feel like <laughs> things aren't going your way, just launch the stupid bastard back a few feet. You know that'll throw him off guard. They won't know how to come back from that. And if you're really afraid of losing, drop a staircase on him or something, you know? So they can't continue to fight you. Right. Um, you know, everything about the lightsabers. Now, the other thing also I wanted to mention about the lightsabers is the that they brought back, or they at least tried to explain the kyber crystals. So if you're a newer Star Wars fan or a Star Wars fan of the movies like we are, You'll know that they mentioned the kyber crystals is what's used to make a lightsaber, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the original drafts, and again, we talk about, like we said, that it was supposed to be a planet of Wookiees, not a planet of Ewoks. Uh, Lucas went through a lot of drafts, right? He went through a lot of drafts of how he wanted things to go. And they changed and morphed many different ways before it finally uh, became what we know it today. One of those changes was the kyber crystal was originally written in one of the early drafts as the thing that gave you the force. Right, right. That's what everybody was after. The good guys and the bad guys, it wasn't a religion. It wasn't um, people were force sensitive. You had to have this kyber crystal. Everybody was after it, right? Right, right. It was like finding like this, you know, like like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? They're going after something, right? You you know what? what? I was just going to say, it makes me wonder if Lucas changed it because of Dune. Because it was similar to Dune, them mining for, I forgot what it was they were mining for, but it gave them the powers, right? Uh, the the mineral that they were mining for gave them some kind of powers. And I can't remember because I'm, I'm a Dune novice, um, which I will be no, I'm more knowledgeable about Dune after our next podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. But because but yes. Lucas doesn't like to copy, right? So he doesn't like right. to copy so i wonder if that's why he changed it in the writing of the crystals mm-hmm. which i appreciate because i like the idea that the force is available it's a power source that surrounds all living things all that kind of stuff but the the crystals are special to the lightsaber you know yes so. yes yeah. so i was glad that they included um at least bringing them up and why they're important mm-hmm. you know um because they are so a, cu- a couple of last notes. This has been fun, by the way, doing a whole another uh, episode <laughs> yeah. about part to just talk about Star Wars again. You, if you tell me we're going to sit around and drink and talk Star Wars, I mean, I'm uh, we could do a part three as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but but anyway, let's try to finish it up. A um, couple of things. My suggestion, and I know I'm not alone on this because other people have said this online on the internet. 
Um, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Who kills Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru? As far as A New Hope is concerned. I think it's... I, I think... I believe... I believe that it's set up for you to just assume and understand that it was the... the that it was the Empire, right? It was right. the Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. Because, because Luke says to Obi-Wan, if they tracked the sale of the droids to the Jawas, they might have learned who they sold them to. And right. That would lead them back home. And, of course, he freaks out and jumps in his speeder and heads to home. And by the time he gets there, they're already dead. So you're assuming that the that the Stormtroopers Stormtroop, tracked yeah. the sale to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and that they killed him. But... Here's an interesting thing. This is what I like about this thought. <laughs> we have never known Imperial troops, stormtroopers and such, to set anyone on fire or <laughs> torture them in such a gr grotesque way or incinerate them or anything like that. Right. It's, it's they, always been... They can blasters. barely hit the side of a barn. Right. They couldn't <laughs> hit water if they fell out of a fucking boat. But so... You know, that's neither here nor there. And Obi-Wan even says, only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. Like, what? If you think they're precise, they're not precise know, at all. I know, it's they can They can't hit anybody. Um, but anyway, so, so when you watch the special edition of A New Hope, and Han Solo is on Tatooine, and he's got that scene with Jabba, right? That scene that was always cut from the original movie. And they put it in the special edition one where he's talking to a very, very bad CGI job of the hut. Right. In that scene, you know who's in that scene. It's Boba Fett. Right. Boba Fett is on Tatooine at the time. I think my opinion, again, I'm not alone on this. I actually saw this online and it made a lot of sense um, that when Vader tells the guys on the ship, on the Star Destroyer, she must have hid the plans inside the, the pod that was released. Send right. somebody down to retrieve them, right? It would make sense that they contacted Boba Fett because he's a bounty hunter. And they may have said, hey, you're down there. You're on this planet. That's the last time you know we talked to you or whatever. Last time we used you for work. You were down on Tatooine, whatever. Uh, we happen to be over this planet right now, and we're trying to retrieve something. We need your help. Because my idiot stormtroopers can't hit the side of a barn. So uh, we need somebody with who's a little bit smarter. I think Boba Fett killed Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. I think he incinerated them. Uh, also to, or set them on fire. I think what uh, disintegration uh, is a little strong of a term. <laughs> but you remember in Empire Strikes Back, when Vader gathers all the bounty hunters together to try to track down Han Solo, he says... There's a substantial reward for anyone who finds the Millennium Falcon. You you may use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. And then he stops right in front of Boba Fett and goes, no disintegrations. <laughs> Almost like he knew. I know your method, man. I've seen what you do to old people. I've seen what you do to aunts and uncles that live on a spice farm. Uh, yeah, none of that shit. All right. I want them alive. Let me say that again. I want them alive. Right. And of course, Boba Fett's like, as you wish, you know, so... Uh, um, you know, okay, this time I won't just completely annihilate them like I always right. do. You know, so um, so it's my thought, uh, it, it, an interesting one, that Boba Fett is actually the one that kills Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. That is an intriguing thought. And 
at first when you said it, I'm like, nah, okay. But then, then when you laid it out, I'm like, yeah, the stormtroopers suck. And yeah. <laughs> and Boba Fett, after watching the book of Boba Fett or a couple episodes, he's a badass. And I'm like, holy shit, he would do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would do it. So I don't know. It's worthy. It's a it's a worthy uh, theory. Absolutely. Just in case I have to say this, I'm going to say it. Now I could edit this out, but. Uh, we just had some te- technical difficulties with some internet issues, and we're back online now. So we're going to pick up uh, where we were talking about, uh, what, Boba Fett we were talking about? Yes, um, the the theory that Boba Fett actually killed Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Right, right, and right. And that, um, you know, that that's uh, sort of an indicator to Vader that this is a useful guy to have around. But a little too lethal, and sometimes when I want somebody alive, um, you know, because again, if you think about it, they could have. Everyone talks about hiding Luke on Tatooine, but they let him keep his name, <laughs> and they they go and they're hiding him on a planet that Anakin is from. Like this was the worst <laughs> planning know. idea ever. But then, but then, name the Skywalker, is, right? But then the argument is, well. First of all, it's a planet on the Outer Rim that Anakin has no intention of ever going back to because he hates sand so much, right? We know that. We know that about Anakin. He hates sand. <laughs> and um, and that he would never want to go back to that slave planet ever again. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me why. It actually surprises me that he didn't get the Death Star to blow up Tatooine once he was in power. Um but, you know, they blew up Alderaan. Why not blow up Tatooine if you hated it so much? But anyway. Hold on, pause. So Tatooine is also the planet that Jabba was from and yeah, the yeah. Book of Boba Fett takes place in, at least at the beginning. Right. So for a planet, a a, a, a weird sort of slave planet on a filled with desert, you know, and two suns and all this shit on the outer rim... And it's like the hotbed of Star Wars activity. <laughs> but anyway, um, so he never wants to go back there or whatever. Fine. Okay. But you would think that Anakin would have said, hey, look, I know that I have family down there. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, these, if, uh, if the plans that I'm looking for were put into a space pod and sent down to this planet that I don't ever want to step foot on again, so i got to go somebody to retrieve them. You would think he would have told them, if you find anyone, bring them back alive. When the one thing Vader does like to do is torture people, right? To get information. <laughs> right. You know that. So they could have gotten word back when the Empire got back to the Star Destroyer, and they were like, well... We found these two, but that psycho Boba Fett set them on fire, so we couldn't get any info out of them, you know? <laughs> right. So, so that might have set up an empire when he stops in front of him directly and says, look, asshole, I want these people alive. Do I have to say it again? Do not kill them. So, you know, um, so that that's an interesting connection there if you, Hang on. If you believe. Do you know the the fam- familial relation to Anakin Skywalker that Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru have? Like, how are they related? Well, they're, they're stepbrothers, right? Because the father married Anakin's mother. Okay. Right? Owen, right. Uh, the Lars, the Lars family. And he freed her. Remember, so. she was a weak-ass slave mom, remember? <laughs> from, from our first argument. God. And, and, yeah. and he freed her. He married yeah. her and freed her. So, 
you know. Okay. All right. Um. So they're. I guess they would be stepbrothers, right? That's stepbrothers. That's kind of what they. That'd are. be a funny movie, wouldn't it? Take the stepbrothers poster <laughs> that we know of it today and change the faces to Anakin and, and uh, Owen Lars. Oh God, that's got to be the cover for this podcast. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right, now we're we're going into the tail end of the show here, but just to just to keep things alive here, I want everyone to listen very very closely. I have a very important announcement to make. <laughs> The opening of my lightsaber. <laughs> we need a lightsaber sound effect. <laughs> and again, as we talked about, I could sit around and drink and talk Star Wars all day. Like, you know, the fact that I have a wife and children is the only thing stopping me from keeping doing this all night. Like, eventually I got to, you know, put my kids down and have them go to bed and then school tomorrow. But, you know, other than yeah. that, I, I could do this all night. Yeah. But anyway, so... Uh, so one last topic as we as we finally finish our our discussions of Star Wars and the 45th anniversary, Kenobi has really made things a little bit more interesting with the uh, getting rid of well I won't say getting rid of but the hatred for the Disney sequels yeah was so palpable that I think people were were on the cusp of just being oh, done with Star armed Wars. revolt. Right, they were just—they were about to be done with Star Wars. We and were then, we were going with pitchforks and torches to the studios. I mean, and the, and the folks at Disney were like, "We got to give them something, man. We got to give them something. We got to give them something to be happy, or yeah. else they're going to murder us all." What do we do? And then there's uh, inevitably some like staffer with a notepad in the back of the room was like, "Why don't we get you and McGregor back?" And then everybody was like, oh, "That was a great idea." Yeah, I I gotta, I gotta say though, prior to that, they did do the Mandalorian, which was a freaking hit. I mean, Star Wars fans lost their minds with the Mandalorian. It was great. It it was, but, but there are the fans like me who are like, wait a minute, no Jedi. I know. It's not not really Yoda. It's just Yoda's baby species or whatever. (laughs) You know, am I really going to, Luke was in it. Uh, I did see the Luke part, yes, (laughs) which is odd because it's supposed to take place after Return of the Jedi, right? Oh, yeah, so it's all CGI, but they did a good job, I um, thought. But so, yeah, so that kind of got a little bit of popularity back, but then Kenobi, you have to admit, Kenobi is far more successful and far more popular than Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, So it was all the nostalgia that, like, especially at the beginning of it. It's right. just every, I mean, every episode is just packed with the nostalgia of it. And so, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it but was a it, fun show. But it does bring up one major issue. Some call it a plot hole. Some have defended it saying that, no, this works. It works. It's fine. I, I think it's a huge plot hole after you pointed it out to me. So, so go ahead. So. For those of you that obviously know A New Hope, like the back of your hand, and have watched Kenobi, you know the obvious argument here. How did Princess Leia, as a child, have this experience with Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then in A New Hope, A, doesn't mention it at all. Not like, you know, hey, remember that time you saved my life and all that stuff? And we know from A New Hope that they have a relationship. She sent him a distress signal. Right, she sent him a distress signal saying, but she doesn't open it with, hey, Obi-Wan, remember that time you saved me? I need no, help again. No. She starts it with... You're my only hope. 
you <laughs> no, that's that's the last thing she said. Yeah, I you're right. The first the first thing she says is years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help okay. him in his struggle against the Empire. So she doesn't Not, recall any of their personal well, history. Doesn't now at the end of the final episode of Kenobi, he does say to her, "We can't ever." tell anyone that we knew each other we have to act like we're told you know he get, i think they threw those lines of dialogue in there to kind of make it okay right but and that's fine that's I, fine but there's I, one thing they're missing it helps there's one that helps but it doesn't solve it because there's one thing one critical thing that's missing what's that when obi-wan dies on the death star yeah 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 right in front of her <laughs> she doesn't give a shit i know <laughs> Oh man, it froze! Oh no, we lost your home. Oh my God, you should see the screenshot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a picture. <laughs> the screenshot is great. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we lost him. I'm gonna have to. Oh God, his internet is a problem. We need to crowdfund Jerome's internet. Jerome, we're gonna see if we people send you donations if you actually get good internet. I'm looking at your your funny dumbass face right now. <laughs> and you're just like shocked and dismayed. I'm dismayed. Oh my god. And we lost him. Okay. His signal's gone. I'm going to pause this and see if we can get him back. <laughs> okay, we're back. I got Jerome back. We're going to try and wrap this up before we lose him again cuz apparently yeah. internet in California sucks. We're having some technical difficulties. So okay. anyway, real quick. So we talked about. So Leia has no idea. Like doesn't react at all that Obi Wan has died. And on top of it, she goes on to the Millennium Falcon and then consoles Luke. Yeah. Who just like just met him know, ten minutes ago. Yeah, like I just met him. Like, I mean, obviously he's always known of him, <laughs> but she's putting a blanket over him and like, oh, it's okay. You Little know. shoulder rub. <laughs> yeah, everything will be all right. He should have been consoling her. Like, isn't this the guy that saved you when you were a child? Yeah, no. Like from from certain death. Yeah, that's like, why I consider it a pop, plot hole. I don't I don't buy it. Now that you pointed that out, I was like, yeah, they mess that up. It's yeah. So that now, but ho however, there is a counter argument to that too. The counter argument is well, Leia's a soldier. She's always been trained to just put emotion aside and deal with the problem at hand. And the mission at this point, we got the plans, and we're off the ship. We're heading to our rebel base, and we're going to blow up the Death Star. You know what I mean? Like, in her mind, she's like, Kenobi is just yet another soldier that did us a solid. I mean, and, and I guess if she hadn't seen him again since she was nine... Maybe, yeah. maybe it works, I guess, uh, you know. Although, although Luke does say, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, and she's like, Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Not Obi-Wan, but yeah, Ben. I know. You know. You would think her reaction would be, Ben, is that Obi-Wan's brother? Like, who, who's Ben? Is it, did, you, did you bring his whole family, or did you just bring him? <laughs> like, you know, like, okay. But anyway, so, so there's, yeah, so there's that issue, and you could argue all you want, um, it still doesn't really flow perfectly. Right. Um, but you know, Leia, like I said, Leia's just, she's just straightforward soldier. She's like, yeah, he did me a favor when I was a kid and now he's fighting that, that, you know, Darth Vader while we make our escape. So good. 
he did his job and it's time to move on. Which does, I will say this does further one argument. If Leia never used her emotion and she was always businesslike and it was always like, hey man, I'm just about the next move that's going to succeed in the fight against the Empire. I don't have emotion. I don't cry for anybody. You know, I'm a businesswoman. That's it. This is my role. Yeah. Then it does make interesting when Han's about to get thrown into the Carbonite. Yeah, yeah. And she starts letting her emotions out a little bit and tells her that she loves him and everything. Yeah. It's at that moment that Vader says, Calrissian, take the princess and the Wookiee to my ship. And he's like, I thought they were going to be left here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why would Vader all of a sudden change his mind? I think he felt something. He felt some emotion coming out of her for once, and he might have felt that she was force sensitive. I and buy it. it. Have been, might that might it might have been that moment? Because yeah. that's the only time in the entire series we ever yeah. see. Well, at least up she, until that point, she tipped her hand. Yeah, that, that she's yeah. that she's ever been emotional about anything. She's yeah. never emotional about anything. Leave it to Solo to bring the emotion out of her. <laughs> see, that's what good sex does. Right there. <laughs> right there. From a Rob, scoundrel. From a scoundrel. <laughs> Brought out all the good emotions. There you go. She was not. You know, all right. Be before, yeah, this could, this could really go south. Yeah. <laughs> so before we lose the feed, let's move on to six degrees. What do you say? I I thought I had you stumped, and I think you might have. So for the, for the listeners, um, <laughs> you'll have to go back to our previous shows to understand the six degrees game, but it's just trying to see if there's two actors that cannot be connected in six degrees, a degree being a feature-length film. We don't use TV shows or directors. They have to be in a feature-length film uh, to be connected. And we're not trying to play the gotcha game. We're not trying to say, ah, you got it in five. It really could be done in two. It's We're, we're really trying to see, are there two that can't be connected? We have right. yet to be found that there isn't. There, anybody can be connected within two. Yeah, of course, it comes from the Kevin Bacon game, but our argument is that it's not Kevin Bacon. Any two actors can be connected. Any two. Right. So, um, so, but the rule for this one was we that we used in part one, we can't use Star Wars movies. So, you wanted to give me two people that are from Star Wars that yeah. I can't use Star Wars movies. Right. Right now, when we had a little technical difficulty, um, my brother told me the two. Yeah. Right before we were about to get back on, and uh, surprisingly, it was easier than yeah. I thought. So, you figured so, out like thirty seconds. I was like, "What the hell?" So, who are the two you said? So I went with old uh, Uncle Owen and young Uncle Owen, two different actors playing the same character. So Phil Brown from the 1977 A New Hope plays yep. Uncle Owen yep. Lars. Yep. And Joel Edgerton yep. plays the young Owen in the new TV series Kenobi and in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, Thrones. yeah. Yep. But I can't use any of that shit. I can't use any Star Wars movies. But I did remember when he said that, my first thought was, oh, there's no way I'm going to get this. Because I know I only know Uncle Owen, the old Uncle Owen's always been in like two or three things, and one of them that I knew of was Superman. He was in Superman. He played the he played a state senator, and because um, I remember him with the the thick glasses, <laughs> right? Uh, and yeah. the, he had a full. I think he's got like the scruffy mustache and beard in yeah. the New Hope. I totally forgot about that. 
But in Superman, he's got like a full-on beard with yeah. the gray, and he's got the thick glasses. Yeah, I forgot about him in Superman, yep. And um, and I thought, well, shit, right there, it leads you to Brando. And the first thing I think of when I think of Brando, aside from Godfather, I mean, obviously, I think of the Godfather and, you know, shit like Apocalypse Now, but if I think newer Brando, mm-hmm. like, what did Brando do in his older years? I really only think of two movies, The Island of Dr. Moreau, which is very forgettable, and Don Juan DeMarco. Those were like the two movies he did later in life before he died that were kind of like big movies that were in theaters. Um, and Don Juan DeMarco, of course, has Johnny Depp in it. And anyone that knows Johnny Depp and, and Joel Edgerton, the movie Black Mass, where Johnny Depp plays the real-life gangster uh, Whitey Bulger, yeah. um, Joel Edgerton's in that. So that's Black Mass is a connection. And then Don Juan DeMarco and Superman. So it's actually in three. Those two can be connected in three. Now, it's probably less if we really dug through. Because uh, you mentioned he was in another movie that I didn't remember he was in. What was it? Oh. The one with uh, um, Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. in Chaplin. So so my brother looked up IMDb to check my work like a teacher <laughs> and uh, apparently the uncle Owen the uh, Phil Brown was in Chaplin I don't even remember him in that movie he was you know, got, it wasn't a big part but that's a laundry list of actors yeah lo- including Johnny Depp Johnny Depp was not in Chaplin was he no what are you talking you're about Robert, you're thinking of Robert Downey Jr. oh yeah I'm sorry <laughs> How do I get those guys those mixed imperial up? Imperial stouts. I yes, do, it's, <laughs> I finished the last imperial stout during the last blackout. Just because here. they're friends doesn't mean they're the same person. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Continue. But, I'm but, gonna. I'm gonna be quiet now. <laughs> but but, uh, but that. Jeez, I bet you could be done in even less if you consider the 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 long list of names that are in that film. Yeah. It probably could be done in less. But just off the top of my head, when you said, and if I can't use Star Wars. My second pick would have been Superman, which again, Lex Luthor. That could have been. I could have gone with Gene Hackman. So but my media thought was Brando. So that's three then, right? Three did it in three. Not bad. Well done. Not bad for somebody that's only been in a handful of movies. That yeah. I know of. Good I mean, movies. Truth be told, he's probably been in a lo- a lot of movies, but I haven't seen any of them. But yeah, but he but he was still making money on those two movies probably until the day he died. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. So, uh, so that's it. We're going to wrap up part two of episode one of season two. Yeah, it's a lot of words. Of the Silver Screen Happy Hour. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as you enjoyed the first one. Hope you, hopefully you enjoyed that one, too. We love sitting around talking about Star Wars. We love it so much that... You are going to hear even more Star Wars talk <laughs> when we do episode two, our official, actually our real first episode of our of our season two that where we do the movie comparisons. We're going right. back to our our actual format. We're done with this 45th anniversary spooge fest about Star Wars, <laughs> and we're actually going to get back to our our podcast normal format where we compare two films, and we're going to start off with Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And how it stacks up against Dune, the newer Dune. Yep. Uh, not the 1986 uh, David Lynch film. Yeah. Um, this is, we're going to do the newer one. So. And explain what you mean by stacks up. We're going to talk about, what are we going to talk about when we talk really about the story two films? structure? Yeah, comparisons of story structure and 
And uh, we always try to pick two films that seem similar and use similar themes and, 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 and how they... It's not which one is better. It's more of a just a sort of like a, maybe a reimagining of uh, the themes and, and, and sort of how the characters interact with each other. Yep. Uh, you know, the similarities and differences between the two. Oftentimes, somebody will watch a movie and they're like, you know, like when you watch The Town with Ben Affleck. Yeah. And you're like, wow, yeah, I think I've seen this before. Well, you did. It was called Heat. You know, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's a lot of times there's movies that you think have very similar, uh, very similar essence and soul and theme of another film you knew of years ago. Our thing is we want to try to bridge that gap. And if you haven't seen either one, maybe it'll entice you to see this, to see the one. Now, yeah. generally last season, when we did season one, I think we thought that most people had seen the newer films, but didn't see the older films we were talking about. And we hopefully were turning you on to older films that were classics. Yeah. Um, of course, if you've spent the time with us to go through these two parts of Star Wars, <laughs> you probably you've obviously seen Star Wars. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen Dune, this is this would be your chance. So yeah, go see uh, see Dune. It's on uh, HBO Max streaming. Um, uh, of course, available on Blu-ray and DVD, of course. Uh, yep. But see Dune if you haven't seen it yet, and of course Star Wars, and then we're gonna we're gonna pick apart those two on our next episode. I don't know when that will be. I hope I, uh, you know, we say once a month, but uh, you know, I'd like to be a lot quicker. Shoot, I could do this every week. You know. Yep. Sit around drinking and talking movies. That's <laughs> that's uh that's heaven right there. So, um, but we'll see you on the next episode. Do you have anything else to say? Well, I was just going to leave it with a teaser. I think uh, I'm going to lead um, with um, when it comes to reviewing those two movies. Um, I, I have a bit of a controversial take on Star Wars. And actually, there's some controversy around the new Dune as well. Um, separate controversy. I'll leave that one for the show. But the controversial take I'll leave as a teaser for Star Wars. The, the Star Wars discussion is... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna address the question: Is Star Wars anti-American? Boom! <laughs> so because they shot it in England and nope, you're pissed off nope, about that. No, nope. I'm just gonna let you ponder on that. We'll discuss it in the next episode. But um, I think I it. Where you're going? Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's worthy to consider why I say that. So. We'll we'll discuss it in the next show. Interesting. In fact, you know what's interesting? I know we're going to sign off here, but uh, I will resubmit my uh, my plug for Light and Magic, the six yes. episode docu series on Disney Plus. Check that out. And I think Lucas talks a little bit about what you're talking about. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think he taps in a little bit to that. And I tell you what, I'll put in the show notes, I'm definitely going to put a link to Light and Magic, the documentary on Disney+. Plus. Uh, obviously, you, you, need Disney, you need Disney+, Plus to, to watch it. And if you don't have it, maybe they got a free trial or something. Get it. It's worth it. Binge I, I that what, series. I tell you what, Disney+, Plus is actually friggin' amazing because, uh, not just because I have kids and it has access to every Disney movie you've ever heard of. Right. But, but, it has, because they now own Lucasfilm, they have 
every Star Wars nook and cranny you can think of. And so if you're if you into ever... Marvel, they got all the Marvel oh, yeah. crap, oh, too. Oh, by the way, they also own all of Marvel, so yeah, it's a, every it's a... nook and cranny of Marvel is on there. So yeah. Disney Plus is really just a, just a friggin' like, rabbit hole of everything you <laughs> love. So just stick your head in it and stay there. Yep. It's so great. But anyway, Light and Magic, six-part docuseries. We're plugging it like we made it. We didn't, but we love it. <laughs> right. Because Industrial Light and Magic is awesome, and we talked about that in part one. Yeah. All right, uh, man. I, I, I could do a separate series just on talking about the documentary. I mean, yeah. there, because there's parts of the... entire I season so, on just Star Wars stuff. The documentary, let me just say this. One of my favorite episodes is the one, the I think it was the last episode, starts talking about the Mandalorian and how they film movies now. So hopefully we'll actually get to talk about that in a future episode because the way they film movies now, and I know Jerome has not seen that episode yet, the way they film the Mandalorian, mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. The technology that they've created to film these these TV shows and now movies absolutely blows my mind and yeah i can't wait to talk more about that as well all right one real quick closing thing on that uh not that part but what i have seen in the first three episodes of uh light and magic is lucas says at one point that the budget they for the budget that they first got for star wars was two million dollars yeah and he goes today they would you couldn't afford one shot with that that's <laughs> insane like, two yeah. million is what what one shot will cost yeah in today's money yeah so quite amazing. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it. Until All next right. until next time, I'm Chris Wigan. I'm Jerome Wigan. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Have another drink. Go watch Star Wars. Yes. Adios. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun.